Welcome to the Hyper Fast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyper fast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyper fast. All right, our next guest is going to provide a ton of value. I'm really excited to, to bring him here to you guys today. He's going to talk about goal setting, pushing boundaries, and you know, use examples of how if you push, push through boundaries in one area of life, it helps you do the same in other areas. And he's got amazing stories. He's experienced some incredible highs and lows. Welcome to the summit, Charlie Engel. Thank you, man. I'm excited to be here. You got a great thing going. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the summit. I know you're going to provide a ton of value to everyone out there uh, listening, everyone watching this. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited about it. Before we dive into some of the, the cool things that you can teach people how to do with goal setting, with overcoming adversity, pushing boundaries, give us a little bit of, of your background and your story. Man. Yeah. As you know, we just met a few a few months ago, and you so you've heard uh, a couple of versions of my story. But I've uh, it hasn't been boring, put it that way. It's no. so I'm uh, you know I am an ultra distance runner uh, primarily. So that generally speaking is anything like a hundred miles on up. I am clean and sober for the last uh, twenty six and a half years or so, and that plays a big role in my overall story because that that addiction background and my sort of addictive nature uh, really drives a lot of the things that I still do today. And, you know, and then finally, you know, I do very much uh, always look at what's next. I mean, it's a, it's a part of how I'm built, but it's also, for me, it's just a, a functional way of living. Like I need to have that next thing on the calendar that I'm shooting for. And my background is very much in sales, in uh, building businesses, in you know trying to find ways to overcome obstacles. And for for me, what I think you'll hear today is this this idea that you know any obstacle can be overcome if it's approached properly. And as I like to say, it just doesn't matter what happens; it only matters what you do about it. Yeah, that's that's a great philosophy. You know, other people that that I've been mentored and, and coached by and, and talk with, they talk a lot about control the controllables. And the only thing you can really control is your state of mind. Yeah. Well, there's this idea too. And I mean, you're a very successful businessman. If your business was easy, like if it was just like, okay, open up the manual and here's what you do, one, two, three, then why would you be any different than anybody else? And so, in fact, I, it's always my contention that it's the hard times, it's the difficult times, it's the problem deals, it's those things that actually separate you from other people. You know, and if, if sure, salespeople and everyone involved, they don't necessarily want all that extra struggle. However, if they can look at it as an opportunity to to actually differentiate themselves from the rest of the crowd, man, it's just nothing but an opportunity to to find a way forward and to know that you can actually overcome any obstacle to get the deal done. 
Hey, that's a great point. We'll get right back to it. But first, I wanted to talk about live events. Look, if you're listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, then I know you value learning, getting around some of the best and, and most exciting, brilliant minds in the real estate industry. All right, nothing can compare though to being in the same room with them. So how would you like to get that kind of access? This November, 11th and 12th, at the Hyperfast Sales Summit, we're bringing people like Ryan Serhant, Nick Baldwin, Tristan Ahumada, Ricky Caruth, Grant Wise, Tessa Bella, Christina Daves, the list goes on and on. There's just tons of amazing real estate agents, business leaders, and marketers that all bring a, a, just this level of expertise that you're not going to find in your you know, typical real estate office or around the water cooler, wherever you're hanging out. All right, you're going to get to learn from the best of the best. And when you go to live events, three things typically happen. First, you learn from the best people in the world. Second, you learn from all of the real estate agents that are gathered there. And third, you benefit from the collective energy of everyone getting together. And that's exactly what I want you to do if you're listening to this show. All right, go to bit.ly slash hyperfastsummit. You can also click on the link in the show notes and check out the Hyperfast Sales Summit. If you wanna take your real estate business to the next level and learn from the best of the best, click on the link below in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash hyperfastsummit and we'll see you there. Yeah, that's a great point. I think if the harder something is, the more chance you have to differentiate. I've, I always say like, you know, agents are always worried about the market shifting or, or becoming a bad market. And I, I don't think there is <laughs> such a thing as a bad market, just bad mindsets. I think if, you know, when the market shrinks, that's, that's the time to, to really go out and grab more market share. Yeah, well, you know, so it's funny. I've never sold real estate, but um, I had told you earlier that in my back in my 20s, uh, I sold cars for a couple of years, and I sold a lot of cars. Like, was the top salesman in the country for Toyota for a while, and it was very interesting because I was what they called a green pea, which I don't know if you use that term in the real estate business, but basically it just meant that I was a newbie. You're the new guy, right? I'm the new guy, right? <laughs> so I'm on this car lot with 15 or 17 other salesmen, and they're all veterans, and. I'm in this community of, of like Italians and it's Monterey, California, beautiful area. And like they were so stuck on this pattern of, well, you know, every January business goes down or every December business goes up, whatever, like whatever their mindset was, they were so ingrained in that, that they, it's like a, a self-fulfilling profit prophecy, right? right? Because that's what ultimately ended up happening. So I was the guy who ended up, you know, was working there who when I saw the customer walk on the lot who was wearing bib overalls and, you know, kind of a tattered t-shirt and whatever, looked like a farmer from, because we lived in this the Salinas Valley. So it's a, like this very fertile area where pretty much all of our fruits and vegetables come from. Like, I would rush towards that guy, and other people are saying like, "Well, don't you know, don't waste your time. Don't talk to that guy," you know. And I'd go talk to him, and ten minutes later, he you know he's got ten grand in cash in his pocket, right? right. <laughs> and and he's buying a car, and he's driving off an hour later, and and everybody else is like, "That guy can't buy a car." And it was that it was the best lesson ever for me to be surrounded by veterans 
who, you know, a lot of them had been in the business for a long time. And they were, they were sort of comfortable with this pattern of like, they knew who a good customer was and they knew what a good time of year was. And I'm happy to say I kind of turned all that on its head because there no there was no bad time. There was only there was only me either being good or bad as a salesperson and not you know it was never the customer's fault. Right. If I did my job, they were going to buy a car. Yeah, and you I mean you can't control if that guy in the overalls has money, but you can control if you talk to him and if you engage yeah. him and if you build a relationship with him, right? And if he has money to buy the car, great, right? You you can't control if there's less people coming in because it's January, but you can control how many people you talk to and your yeah. attitude about it. And I think a lot of real estate agents fall into that, that cycle too, where they, they get too caught up in the seasonality of it. And they just assume that between December and March, they're going to have two or three bad months. And, yeah. and they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and tra- I mean, sure. I get it in your business. You know, you can look at the year over year things and you can see trends that are probably you know, somewhat predictable, but obviously somebody's still selling houses. I mean, someone's getting those deals. It's not like the sales are zero. So if you go into that, I I would think if you go into that with the mindset that you're just not going to sell anything in those months, then guess what? You're probably not going to sell anything in those months. I loved that mentality on the car lot that a lot of guys had that, you know, they, they were just sure that nothing good was going to happen in those times. And I rocked it. I, I sold, you know, so more cars than anybody in the state of California for those, those years and those months. And it was a gift to me as far as I was concerned. Yeah. I mean, you chose not to adopt the mindset of letting circumstance determine things and, and yeah. to control what you can control. And, and the other thing I kind of hear coming from you is, Struggle. The harder something is, the the more chance to differentiate yourself. The stronger you be, you know, you'll be coming out on the other end of it. What are some of the struggles you've been through in your life? How did you get through them, and, and what has that led to? Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean, man, in my twenties, I mean, from the time I was really eighteen until twenty nine, you know, I was a, I was a, I had a lot of problems, a lot of drug and alcohol problems. You know, my attitude was I was still usually the top salesperson at whatever job that I had uh, because, but it wasn't so much that I was a, an achiever as much as, you know, I wanted to make sure that I offset my really bad behavior on this side with overachieving on this side. And it took me a long time. You know, I went through this long years and years long cycle of like moving to a new place getting a good job, becoming the top salesman, getting a, you know, girlfriend, whatever. And like, that would be the first six months. And then I'd spend the next six months, like (laughs) destroying it, you know, and it was just, you know, I just wasn't mature enough. And I, and I, I could not come to the understanding that I had a problem with drugs and that, you know, I was an addict and that I needed to find a way to actually make a change. And it took really the birth of my first son to change all of that for me. And it wasn't magic though. It wasn't like it wasn't like a, a a switch just flipped. I thought that just his birth was actually gonna change everything for me. And what it really did was teach me that 
he couldn't save me and that nobody was coming to save me and that if I was going to actually get through this difficult situation and this addiction that I was going to have to do it for myself. And, you know, I think that's the biggest, it's easily the biggest challenge that I've ever faced. And, and when I look back on those years, you know, the lessons that I learned, the things I survived, I mean, they, they have actually made me very good at other things. Uh, because when I got sober, I started running, as you know, and I got very serious about my running and I ran, I ran a lot. I ran every day for the first three years of my sobriety. And I, I really took it seriously. And, you know, I had people actually, uh, accuse me even of just switching addictions of before I just was this screw up doing drugs and whatever. And now I'm just this guy who all I can do is run. And, <laughs> You know, what they didn't understand was that my, you know, all those things that I was battling as an addict were about, like, not feeling anything and not being present there and not, you know, just just not being uh, part of, you know, the world I inhabited. And once I quit and I started running, running was all about being fully present all the time. You know, when you, you know, because you're a runner, you know, when you're running a marathon, or whatever, you know, there's no hiding, there's nowhere to go. Like you are, you are there feeling everything, the, the highs, the lows, everything good and bad, and you get a chance to actually be fully present. And so, you know, for me, the experience with addiction, and then the recovery from addiction and using running as a one of the mechanisms of actually getting sober, really allowed me to understand I always like to put it this way. When we get to the end of our lives or at some point in our lives where somebody says, what are the things that you've done or what are the things that have happened to you that have shaped who you are? Nobody ever says, well, you know, my family was rich and life was super easy and, you know, I really didn't have to work for anything. And it's like, that's not the story we tell because that's not what shapes us. You know, even if you do come from quote unquote easy uh, situation, it's the hard things that actually shape us. Yeah. It's those things that challenge us that make all the difference. And so, you know, I always say that we shouldn't be trying to avoid those things. I'm not saying go out there and do drugs to seek hardship, but, but don't shy away from the really difficult things in life because that's where all the good lessons are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think you're right. Even if you think you have it easier, it looks easy from the, the outside, you know, people will will focus on, but I didn't have this and I struggled with that. And those, those struggles really shape and define who we are. Yeah. Right. Totally. Well, and, and, you know, and you're a, you're a parent and three times over now and you have a, you have a new one in the house. And, uh, I love telling this story. My son, my 24 year old has started a, a, a nonprofit recently called generation less which is this interesting idea. And the, the, I just love this visual, right? And that is that mom and dad are standing there, just like you and your wife did, looking down in the crib at this new beautiful baby, right? And mom actually, you know, looks at dad and says, you know, I just want her to have so much less than we had when we were growing up. <laughs> like, because no parents ever say that. You know, we, we always want somehow to give our kids more and more. Well, more doesn't, help them become the people that we actually want them to be. It's, it's 
hardship and growth and actually learning their own lessons and not being rescued from it. And I'm not, this isn't a parenting uh, summit here, but it is this idea of finding that middle ground for your employees, for your family, for yourself, where it's not always about rescuing people out of hard situations. It's, it's letting them occasionally sort of flounder and then, you know, offer some support for them to help themselves rather than just solving the problem for them. And, and, you know, to me, those are the most effective lessons. No, I agree. I, I heard Tony Robbins once interview the founder of Vanguard. Mm. And he was talking about his children, and he said, you know, the prospects of what they would do when they grew up. And, and he said, yeah, they didn't have the advantages I did. And Tony was like, well, what do you mean? You came from a poor, broken family and all that. And he's like, yeah, those those were the advantages <laughs> I had that that made me stronger, made me... Yeah. His, his kids, you know, were born to, you know, multimillionaire well, right. parents who... Nothing wrong with that, but they just... It, it's It's harder to maybe to have... A sense of struggle sometimes, and, totally. and so I get, I get that what your your son totally. is totally uh, well, and that's on. why I think that's why I mean I don't want to speak for you, but I think that's a lot of the reason that we run too, and we do triathlons and we do ultras. It's it's an amazing controlled way of creating hardship in our lives that we know we're not going to die. Right. And we know it's going to be, I mean, you know, 99.999% of the time, that's not going to happen. All right. But I mean, anything that happens that would cause death in a, in a race like these would really be from just bad luck, which could happen out driving your car or crossing the street. So, so we know that in general, it's a controlled situation where we're going to struggle. And like, I want, if I'm entering a race that's a hundred miles long, like, I want to get to that point in the race where I want to quit and then I want to find a way to push past that. I mean, that is the whole point for me. I mean, if it was just easy and to go on a quiet jog, I'd just do that in my neighborhood. You know, I, I want some hardship out of it in a way that is going to help me grow and that I'm going to have to find the inner strength in that moment to come up with a good reason because it's so much of, it, much of it's mental with that stuff. You know, it's not, people think it's the physical accomplishment. I mean, ultra running and doing really long distances is so much more about mental toughness than it is about physical ability that I think that, um, you know, it, it really is just people are afraid sometimes to put themselves in that uncomfortable position knowing that that's going to happen. But I, I recommend it. I think it's... Uh, whether it's in athletics, whether it's starting a new business, whether it's starting a family, you know, we all kind of want all the situation to be perfect before we go do it. That never happens, first right. of all. Never <laughs> is. You never have enough money in the bank to have another kid. You never have enough, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just not, you know, for most people that doesn't happen. You just have it. And then you figure out how to handle it, how to deal with it, how to, you know, how to fight through the hard times. And, I, you know, that's the way I look at all of it as that's the most useful way to go through this. Yeah, it's just learning how to, to execute in the face of challenges. So, like, you don't have to go out there and run a marathon or an ultra or Ironman or any of that crazy stuff. But, you know, I would say to, to real estate agents, really anyone – 
go out and find things that are a challenge. Find things that are a struggle. Like, seek that out in your business. Seek that out in your, your personal life and, 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 and physical things as well. And that's, you know, what you do to overcome a struggle in the physical world or your family or relationship, it's going to help you in business and vice versa. So, so seek out the, the struggles, the challenges. And it's, in my mind, you're developing a muscle, an ability that's going to help you in all areas. Totally agree. You know, we talked earlier about this ultra that you've got coming up because you're going to run 50 miles uh, in the not too distant future. And uh, that'll be the longest race that you've ever done. And we're talking about the different mindset. And, you know, I thought it was interesting because I know you're, you know, you're, you want to train well for it and you want to be really prepared for it. And like knowing you even at this point, you're prepared today. Like we could walk out this door right now and you could actually run 50 miles. And I mean, I think you probably know that, but there's this idea that I always remind people and I'll say it to you at this point where you, you know, you only get to do something like that one time for the first time. I mean, that's self-evident, you know, you can only do it the first time one, you know, once. And it's so important to go into it mentally prepared to like be appreciative for what you're actually doing and to not just be thinking about getting to the finish line and being done with it so that you can move on to something else, but finding a way to be present. And I, and I think again, our, I know for me, that's a struggle sometimes like in my home life, you know, with my kids are older now, but still I find it difficult sometimes to settle my mind and, and settle down enough to just like be there with them and hang out and not be trying to figure out what their future is and everything else and just, and just, you know, just be. And so I guess all that is to say that being present and kind of just in the moment is, is a huge way to also give yourself a successful path. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've, I've often been guilty of that, in, especially in marathons and in Ironman training. And I, I think those are a little bit more focused on the, the time and mm. just so much more, like, anal about, mm-hmm. like, how the training is. And, like, you got to do this on the bike at this power for this many hours then yeah. run at this and do these kind of swim laps. Or marathon training is often kind of the same. And it's just this very type A obsessive personality, which, which is good. All of that can really push you to do well in business and in, in multiple areas in life. But I think there's something to be said about just appreciating the moment and appreciating the mile, you know, the journey to the milestones, which, which are often what you talk about most and, and remember most. And, and the same is true in, in business. Like, don't just focus on getting to the end of that next deal or getting your real estate commission up to six figures or doubling up or getting up to, to, to seven figures, like, like enjoy every step along the way, appreciate the moments, have gratitude for it. And then I think when your mindset is, is like that, it, it shifts and you're, you're, you're coming more from like what is possible instead of this scarcity mode. And, and be, because you're, you're programming yourself to look for things to be grateful for more things come to you and, and it, I think it makes that journey easier but it's it's hard to to get it's taken me a while and yeah <laughs> to get there well and if you're like me I mean you you know all these things and it doesn't mean that you're not going to walk right out there and and look at a deal the exact same way you know and you have to remind yourself okay 
you know, let's, you know, let's take a, let's flip this on its head and come up with a new way of approaching it. And I don't know, you know, you, you and I, we, you asked me earlier and, and one of the things that, you know, that you know about me and that I'm, I'm known for is this, this, uh, very long run I did across the Sahara desert. And, uh, I became the first person ever with a couple of teammates to actually run, the entire length of the Sahara Desert, nearly just short of 5,000 miles, actually. And yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, who knew Africa was that big, you know, it was, it was a big place. And, you know, to do that, we actually ran um, nearly two marathons a day for 111 consecutive days without taking a day off. And, it was, you know, ground temperatures of 140 degrees and, you know, we ran out of food and water and we got lost in sandstorms. And, you know, we had a lot of really serious issues out there. And, you know, one of the lessons that I had learned from sobriety is a, is a, a saying that we've all heard quite often, which is one day at a time, right? But it's not right. just a saying. It, it is literally it's a way of life it's a it's a mantra that works because you know it took being out in the Sahara Desert and the team actually falling apart in the first week or 10 days to understand that I couldn't run across Egypt before I got there you know I had to focus on running across Mauritania or Mali or the country that I was in I had to run today's miles today and then tomorrow would come on its own without me having to do anything other than just be present and keep moving forward. And those were really hard lessons because I wanted to control the flow of everything instead of just allowing myself to be present there in the Sahara Desert and and moving across it and making progress every single day and focusing just on that day. You know, I was telling you earlier that I, I had two teammates out there with me, too, in this era. And, and Matt Damon was producing this project, and uh, he was narrating the film. And I felt a ton of pressure. Like, you know, that's a lot of pressure yeah. to have all the money backing it. The, you know, a guy like Matt watching every single day from back home, wanting reports on progress and on how everything was going. And, you know, I always wanted to be a a great report. But the fact of the matter is, on most days, things went completely to hell. Like, you know, whatever the plan was for that day did not go as I wrote it down. You know, it went, we you know, we lost tons of weight. We got lost in the desert. We ran out of water and food. And, we, you know, we had dangerous situations out there, too, with you know, with armed men and pickup trucks and not understanding what was going on. And like, this was a, this was a crazy endurance expedition. But the mistake that I made during that time was I continued to focus so much on the end, on getting to the finish that I forgot that I just needed to focus on what was right in front of me. And if I could get that done, then the next thing would come all on its own. And if I just kept doing that over and over, I would ultimately make it across the desert. And that's what happened. Yeah, I think that's that this concept of micro tasking. You know, I've, I've heard you talk about that. I've heard Navy SEALs talk about that a lot before. Like if, if you want to go out and do 200 deals, 300 deals in a year and you're at 20 deals right now, like 
like don't don't think about the, the three hundred. Like like, yeah, plan that out. Have that that two, three, four, five year vision. But map backwards from there. And like, what do you what do you need to do today? And get that done. And then what do you need to do tomorrow when that day comes? And get that done. I, I think I think a lot of people could benefit from from that concept of microtasking. You know, taking these big audacious goals like running 5,000 miles across the desert or selling 500 homes and then work backwards from there to the day you're at. Yeah. No, I mean, it's critical. And, and again, I, <laughs> my wife, I'm not married to my kid's mom anymore, but back when our kids were little, uh, it was the funniest thing. I mean, I, I was in a little panic attack over, you know, my first son and like, you know, how are we, I'm watching my friends struggle with their like, eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds and even teenagers. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine. Like, how are we going to handle that? She's like, we only have to take care of a one-year-old right now. Right. <laughs> like, don't worry about taking care of a teenager. You know, you don't have a teenager right now. And, and by the time you get there, if you've taken all the steps up to that point where that kid becomes a teenager, then you will know how to handle that situation. So... Stay focused on the things that you can control, let go of the things that you can't, and, and, and find that good middle ground of, of hard work and determination and passion for what you're doing in the middle areas where it's a little more gray. And I, I think the other big, at least for me, and there's probably more, but the other big story or, or concept to take away from this story is actually the story that you tell yourself and the effect that, mm. that has. And, and so walk us through the effects of the story that you told yourself first and then you went and told others and how that ultimately brought about this amazing... Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because it is a, you know, I, I, <laughs> I do believe in the, you know, it sounds cliche, but the power of not just positive thinking, but of... The story that we tell ourselves and and our just how we go about it is more important than any other story that we tell. So, you know, I was uh, doing races all over the world. I was now several years clean and sober, and I had found running, and I had just like running really saved my life. But then it it gave me a life after that. And I found that I, I wanted to keep pushing myself harder and harder and, and to go longer distances. So I was in the Amazon jungle and, and this guy who I'd never met before there uh, actually said out loud to me, I wonder if anybody's ever run across the Sahara Desert, would you ever be interested in that? And I, I literally told him that he, I thought he was crazy. It was the worst idea I'd ever heard. And frankly that, you know, I just, I wasn't sure that it could even happen, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, it was a nugget that he planted there. And, and we've all had this happen to us where some stranger says something to us that you're like going, yeah, I wonder if I could do that, whatever it is. So I got back to the U.S. after the race and I started to research whether anyone had ever crossed the Sahara before. And it turns out they had not, you know, go figure. And, um, you know, first in the adventure world are really hard to come by. And so I, I made a snap decision in that moment when I figured that out, that I was going to become the first person to run across this era. Like I just made up my mind that I was going to be the guy to do that. 
And I started to tell this story to, to anybody else. And my narrative, my personal narrative became this sort of never ending thing. It didn't matter what I was talking about. I was talking to family or I was talking to friends, you know, I could I could chat about the weather or the Chicago Bulls or whatever it might be. And eventually the con they knew. Eventually the conversation would come around to the Sahara Desert. And you know, people would roll their eyes and and what I found was in general, people did not believe that it was possible that I could do this. And I found myself like actively allowing them, as I'm telling the story, allowing them to take ownership of the impossibilities of the situation. And I took full possession of what was possible. Like that's all I thought about was what the possibilities really were and how this could happen. And as you know, eventually I... I I told this story to the right person, and that person ended up helping to facilitate, you know, a deal where Matt Damon came in and executive produced and narrated this film, and you know, and the rest is history. You know, ultimately, um, Matt and I ended up creating uh, something called H2O Africa, which today is known as Water.org, and Water.org is the biggest clean water nonprofit on the planet. And, you know, we just passed uh, over a billion dollars in funding last year, wow. which is a benchmark that most, you know, nonprofits never see, never come close to. And, you know, it all came out of this supposedly crazy idea that running across the Sahara Desert was somehow going to be meaningful. And, you know, and I just, I love that idea and I remind myself of it all the time that being a critic and telling someone else that something is impossible, that's the easiest thing in the world to do. You can't sell that many houses. There's no way you're going to close that deal. There's no way, whatever. People aren't always like, <laughs> they don't always have your best interest at heart. It might be out of jealousy. It might be out of, you know, they may genuinely believe it's not possible. But, you know, if you don't believe it, like if I didn't believe I could run across the Sahara Desert, then who else was going to? And I do believe that that, that core belief is what led me down that path of success, you know, in the Sahara. Yeah, I think so many people, they, they tell themselves a story of why something cannot happen. And then guess what? It doesn't happen. So I think you really need to focus on once, once you decide that you're going to do something, uh, cut yourself off from every alternative and, and just tell your story that it's going to happen and, and you'll start finding ways to make it happen. And, and this isn't something where you, you you can just go home and say 10 times to yourself, like, I'm going to run across the Sahara Desert. Yeah. Like, you got to go make it happen. But but so it's not magic, but it but it is something that, that works. Like, you, you have to believe it and tell yourself that yeah. it's going to happen before like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, before you physically go out and make it happen. Totally. Well, you know, it's funny. Again, my kids are older than yours, but I'm, um, I am, they always know what's coming, but I continuously encourage my kids to apply for jobs or to uh, apply for scholarship, whatever, whatever it might be to apply themselves. You can always say no. But if you don't apply for the job, you don't get a chance to say no. Like if you if you are saying to yourself, I'll never get that job or I'm not qualified or whatever. I mean, qualifications, <laughs> I'm a great example of this. Qualifications are overrated. You, 
as a, you know, as a, uh, in the position that you are to be able to put people to work in your business. Sure, you want to know what somebody's track record is and you want to know some things about them and what their experience level is or whatever. But you know what? I know you well enough to know. If it's the right person and they come in and write the, ask the right questions, like you're going to give them a shot, you know, and you're going to yeah. say, okay, here's the steps you need to take. And if you'll, if you'll take those, these steps and then come back and see me, then it's on them. They have an opportunity to come have an amazing job and probably make more money than they thought they could ever make. And that opportunity is always there. But so many people out there talk themselves out of that before. I'm not qualified. You know, that's not something I'll ever be able to do. And they just talk themselves out of it before it even gets started. Yeah. I mean, the biggest obstacle sometimes is the the thing between our ears, I think. Yeah. So... You know, you got to tell yourself the story that you're going to make it happen and, and look for reasons why it will happen, not why not. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a great lesson there, guys. What's what's next for you? What what do you what do you have coming up? I know you got you got something something pretty cool that's about to kick off here. Yeah. And, and uh, so on. Yeah. Yeah. Next is always important to me, and I, I look. I am a guy, and it's not it's not so much the Tony Robbins, um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making light of that. You know, there's goal setting, which is, of course, very important. But I don't, I don't need a goal for goal's sake, necessarily. Like, I don't just need a target, you know, on the calendar of something to do. I need it to be something that's meaningful. Right. Maybe some of that is my, you know, it's age or whatever. I want to, like, I want to make sure that I'm going after something that I really want not just something that makes me look good. <laughs> you know, I want it to be meaningful. And, you know, I use water.org as a real template in my life because that nonprofit has given, you know, clean water, provided clean water to hundreds of thousands of people who didn't have it. And, like, that is an amazing wonderful side benefit of doing something that I, I already felt passionate about, you know, so I just wanted to run across the Sahara. But with that came this this added bonus of doing something that actually made a difference in other people's lives. So I got to do what I was passionate about. I always say it was it was selfish and selfless at the same time. <laughs> you know, it accomplished both goals. So this next project, I call it 5.8. And the 5.8 Global Adventure Series is going to have me and my buddy, uh, Andre Kylik going from the lowest land elevation on all seven continents to the highest point on each continent. So the ultimate expedition in this series, there's seven continents, as most people know, the ultimate expedition in this series is actually going to be from the lowest elevation on the planet, which is the Dead Sea, to the top of Mount Everest, which is, as everyone knows, the highest point on the planet. So it's nearly 4,500 miles. And to do that, we'll have to swim across the Dead Sea, uh, run all the way across Saudi Arabia and Oman and Jordan, uh, the Arabian Desert, basically. We'll get into a kayak uh, in the Indian Ocean and paddle 1,000 miles across uh, one of the most rugged bodies of water on the planet, and we'll land in Mumbai, India, and we'll mountain bike all the way across India to Everest Base Camp and then climb to the top. And I call the project 5.8 because it's, 
It's about 4,500 miles from the Dead Sea to the top of Everest, but it's actually only 5.8 vertical miles straight up and down, you know, from the lowest point on the planet to the highest point on the planet. And we all live there. So we're all in this together already. I mean, every person on the planet lives in this tiny little sliver of space that surrounds the Earth. So this project, just as running the Sahara launched water.org, this project is launching green.org. And the mission of green.org is very, very ambitious yet simple. We have technologies that will change the lives of millions of people in the countries and continents that we are crossing. So Africa being the first one that we're going to do starting in August. In essence, Africa still has issues with water. They have issues with human rights. They have issues with power structure. And so by the power grid, I mean, like literally being able to generate enough power to have electricity and things like that. So the technologies that we have at green.org are going to, we're going to partner those technologies with nonprofits that are already working in Ethiopia and Kenya and Tanzania. And we're going to make those lives better. We're going to find ways to bring the technologies to those people and allow them to improve their lives, which actually does help everyone. So this project is going to take almost two years start to finish. Wow. Yeah. And the, uh, the first expedition is in August, and we will be going to Africa. I, I should tell you uh, a little, I know, I know in the show notes and so forth, you're going to post some links. But what you'll see on this 5.8 project adventure is my partner is Andre Kalik, and Andre has no legs. So I decided to partner with Andre because of his story, and we've been friends for a while. But, you know, Andre fell off a train platform when he was 23 years old and got run over by five train cars mm. in Europe. And he was, he was there studying. And now he's 40 years old, and uh, he's uh, a two-time um, Ironman champion. So he did the Kona Ironman and actually won the disabled division. And he's, he's done all these amazing physical accomplishments. And he is... Uh, incredible at describing the steps of what it's taken to get from basically death because he died on that train platform and was brought back to life to where he is today, which is in this amazing position. And his story exemplifies low places to high points. You know, he was at the lowest place you could possibly be. And now, you know, he has a great job and a great family and he's going to go on this journey with me and, we're gonna tell some good stories. Hey, that's a great point. We'll get right back to it. But first, I wanted to talk about a problem that so many real estate agents are facing. In fact, nearly 90% of agents are facing this problem. And that's the problem of going out of business. And then most of the ones that do are still struggling. They're struggling to get the results they want. But look, it doesn't have to be that way. I know because it wasn't that way for me. In my first year in real estate, I sold over $22 million in real estate volume. I wrote about it in my best-selling book, The Hyper-Local, Hyper-Fast Real Estate Agent, but I wanted to do something more for the industry. That's why I created the Hyper-Fast Accelerator Program. Now, I know what you're thinking, not another coaching program, or and I get it. The problem isn't lack of information. The problem is who to actually trust, who to believe, and most professional coaches never even sold themselves. So whether you're selling 10 homes and want to get to 20, or you're selling 20 homes and want to get to 50, we can help. 
right? We've done it. I've grown my team from 22 million volume to now over 400 million in volume. It's one of the top real estate teams in the country. This is what separates me from most real estate coaches. Like I'm still in the game. What I'm gonna teach you in this program is stuff that's actually working today in my business, all right? What would your life look like if you sold just one more home a month? If that's something you're interested in, if you want to get those types of results, click on the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash hyperfastcoach and sign up for a free discovery call. And look, we don't take anyone and everyone, all right? The problem with most real estate coaches is that they do, right? They try to cater to the masses. So we only take a few people on purpose because we want to provide highly strategic, individualized, personalized service to help you get the type of results you want and achieve your goals. Click on the link below, sign up for a free discovery call, and I'll see you soon. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to watch it as it happens. And, you know, it's, it's um, what, what I've noticed here is you're not just going out and doing some incredible physical feats. I mean, they are, but you've added a lot of other higher purpose to them. And I think that's often important with goals. Like if you, if you just set a goal to go out and sell 500 homes, but never think about the why, like how it's going to help you, how it's going to help you help others, how it's going to help you help your community. If you never th- connect it to bigger purposes, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to get there. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be uh, no. impossible, but you know, I think in your case, you're, you're connecting it to, you know, this, this new foundation and, and program you're starting with uh, green.org. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're bringing Andre and his story into it. You're teaching about the human emotions and experiences, highs and lows. So there's all these other things, I think, in it that, that give it more meaning. And I think when you're setting your goals, you know, everyone out there, whether it's in real estate, business, physical, life, financial, like connect them to a higher purpose and your success rate is going to be like 10x more. Yeah. Well, and I, as uh, you and I have discussed uh, ever since we've known each other, this idea of sharing the struggle too, because I'm sorry, nobody, you know, (laughs) if I just met you today and I came into these great offices you have and I, you know, went to the home that we visited earlier today and all these things, I would think, man, this guy is just, you know, crushed it and like everything's been easy somehow or whatever but the I, I but I know your story and I know where you've come from and the fact is you know it's been incremental small steps and taking some risks along the way and digging in when things got difficult and making sure that you just kept moving forward cuz people have a habit unfortunately of of uh, very often, you know, making poor decisions when things get difficult and making those decisions too fast, you know, instead of just keeping your head down and keep plowing forward and do the, the next small things that will get you to tomorrow, you know, they end up pulling the plug. And it's been fun for me to just see the success that you've had and the the company that you've built, I got a chance earlier today to actually take some time and meet a lot of the people that work with you. And, and it's such a, a quality group. And that, uh, we talked about vibe. Like, I, I do a lot of speaking, and I step into a lot of rooms of companies. And, man, you could, 
you can feel if it's a company under a lot of pressure, you know, where everybody's worried about their job and everybody's like, you know, know, what's going to happen? And they're all, you know, half of them are on their phones, probably sending resumes to some other place, (laughs) you know, and you can feel that. And like I felt today this really like just very up-tempo vibe and, and, you know, people who know they're in a, they're in a hard business, but one that is rewarding and you can be successful if you just follow the formula and you put in the time and people buy things from people that they like, you know, it's sales is not that complicated. I mean, I have bought things from people who didn't know, a darn thing about their product just because I liked them, you know, and I've not purchased things from people who were true experts in their field because I thought they were, you know, they were just weren't people that I wanted to do business with, you know, give me that person that's, that's going to be, you know, upbeat. If they don't know the answer, they say, I don't know, but I'll find out, you know, they do, they'd make all the right steps. I want to work with that person. And, you know, it's a, a testament to what you've built that I felt that today. Well, thank you. And, you know, I, I think it's really real estate and probably almost anything else I can think of. The formula for success is just effort times time, right? You have effort and you have time and you, you do it long enough and hard enough, you're going to find the success. The, the problem is people just get discouraged and they haven't put the time in yet. They don't see the results. The results don't come fast enough, and they give up. The effort goes away, and the, the, you know, the equation breaks down. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that's I think that's one of the reasons that I'm attracted to to certainly not at your level, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> see, you know, some of these ultra type events and races. It's, it's just a way to exercise the muscle of putting that effort over time. And, and not getting discouraged, overcoming setbacks, and, and seeing how far you can push it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, I, I got bad news for you. I didn't do my first ultra till I was like 35. So you know, you've you're you're <laughs> practically just right in there. You know, you're gonna who knows where you're gonna take this. And I, and again, I think it's it's a metaphor for for life. You know, it, it's the and I, and I know. Look, a lot of people listening might be thinking to themselves, oh, sh- "I hate running." Like that's not something I even relate to. It's not about running. I mean, I do believe that running can bring about for anyone a transformation. It's just that running is uncomfortable physically, especially in the early stages. But how is that different than like getting into real estate? If if the people listening will think about when they first got into it, like the fear involved, the lack of knowledge, can I actually do this? Am I going to be any good at it? Like all of those things, the discomfort, if you said to yourself, uh, you know, in your first week of work, like if I'm not comfortable with this job, then I'm going to quit, then you'd quit because you're not going to be comfortable. Like it's a, it's not a guaranteed, you're not in a business that, that like says, you know, I absolutely 100% guarantee you this is how it's going to go because that's not the nature of the business. So, which is also why it's attractive. You know, there's more, not just from a financial standpoint, but also from a challenge standpoint. You know, the people that I know that are successful in your business are the ones who, man, they, they dig that, like that core sort of uh, unknown and like if you can really embrace that and use it to your advantage, 
uh, I think you can be hugely successful. And I mean, I, you know, from what I've seen, you know, you've been able to take that for yourself and take a few big gambles. You know, we were, I don't want to overstep my bounds. We were talking about some of your, you know, methods of like advertising even, you know, these days. And honestly, I'm going through some of the same things myself with my own brand. Like where I need to be right now is I need to be more aggressive with things like social media and with, you know, I need to take a risk and say, okay, in my budget, I need to spend a little bit of money on like social media advertising or whatever, instead of sticking to the sort of traditional ways of trying to attract people, because traditions change and we're in this changing environment where if you're not, I mean, look at what we're doing right here, this, this digital summit. I mean, almost nobody does this, but this yeah. is where it's going. Like, if you're not doing this kind of thing, then, you know, what are you doing? Print advertising? Sorry for all those print advertising <laughs> people out there. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, if it's not a combination of things that includes digital and social and all of those things, then you're just sitting around waiting for the business to pass you by because that's where it's going. And you got to take a little gamble here. The change is coming faster and faster and faster. So you you got to keep up with it. Yeah. Look, Charlie, I think you've added a ton of value to our listeners out there. You know, everything from using struggles to become stronger, from the story that you tell yourself, from micro tasking, you know, thinking about today's task and, and, adding meaning and purpose to goals. So I, I think you've, you've added a ton of value. I want to thank you for that. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you again, Charlie. My pleasure. Uh, before, you, before we go, if people want to get in touch with you, just mm. connect with you, what's the best way? Super easy. You know, the, the, the best way is just my website, which is charlieengle.com, and it's C-H-A-R-L-I-E-E-N-G-L-E, which you'll see in the show notes too, just Charlie, charlieengle.com. There's also a website that's 5.8project.com, and you'll see that in the notes too, along with green.org. So those those three ways. And I'm on all the regular social media. Instagram is the place I spend most time these days if I'm, you know, if I'm doing something. So it's a, it's a good way to uh, find me. But on my website is my email and my phone number, and you, I'm the easiest person there is to get. So if you have a a question about running or about addiction or recovery or, you know, joining me on one of these big adventures, as you and I have talked about, since you're going to be coming on at least one of them, then feel free to reach out and let's have a chat. All right. Well, thanks again, Charlie. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.